0: Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kelly S., that's with an E-Y, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Today is Friday, August 24th, 2018. So we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 100. We're on the second paragraph there that says, when working with a man and his family, And we're going to be reading through two paragraphs today, ending with, uh, worth any amount of criticism. And we'll be commenting on both paragraphs. Today's readers are, for our 12 steps, Esther F., for 12 traditions, 10s and P. Readers of the text are going to be Hoodie R., Barbara E., and Katie G. Our newcomer greeter is Robin S., and our second hour host is Deb W. The reference numbers for Thursday, yesterday, August 16th, 2018 r 7 a.m. eastern time 11727 11727 and the 10 a.m. eastern time 11728 11728 oa preamble overeaters anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience strength and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating we welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively there are no dues or fees for members OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, end quote. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Esther.
1: Good morning. This is Esther S., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 5. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 6. we entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7. Humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Have a great day.
0: Wow, thank you so much, Esther F. So I will now ask Tenzin P to read the 12 traditions.
2: Good morning, Tenzin. Good good morning, everyone. Um, Tenzin P checking in from near New York City um, to read the 12 traditions. This is the short form. There's also a longer form right after this at the back of the big book. The 12 traditions one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any out any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, readers Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before our personalities. Thank you very much. Wishing you a good rest of the day, all.
0: Thank you so much, Tenzin P. So how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the paragraphs, or wait, on the objections for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So, today we resume our study of the Big Book. We're on page 100. We're on the second paragraph where it says, when working with a man and his family. And then we're going to read through two paragraphs, ending there with, worth any amount of criticism. And then we'll be commenting on both paragraphs. So, Miss um, Hoodie R. will begin
3: our reading. Good morning, Hoodie. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you so much for your service this morning. And I'm Hudiar, recovered compulsive overeater from Israel. When working with a man and his family, you should take care not to participate in their quar- quarrels. You may spoil your chance of being helpful if you do. But urge upon a man's family that he has been a very sick person and should be treated accordingly. You should warn against arousing resentment or jealousy. You should point out that his defects of character are not going to disappear overnight. Show them that he has entered upon a period of growth. Ask them to remember, when they are impatient, the blessed fact of his sobriety. If you have been successful in solving your own domestic problems, tell the newcomer's family how that was accomplished. In this way, you can set them on the right track without becoming critical of them. The story of how you and your wife settled the difficulties is worth any amount of criticism. And here again, um, well, a lot in these paragraphs. And um, I'm just like thinking about, you know, it says, you know, you should not take care to participate in their quarrels. And you don't, you know, you have to keep, um, you know, here... It is for the, the sick person who are hearing working with others, and there's a lot of directions of how to deal with working with others with love, compassion. But really speaking, speaking the truth about this disease, this person has been sick for for a while. He's been sick mentally and physically, and um, we have to tell the family that they have that the best place for them to be is be patient. And calm with his growth, he has entered a time. It's not going to Rome, wasn't built in a day. And, um, character defects and the way, and the years, the way I was living, years of the way I was living with my selfishness, my dishonesty, and fears, and, um, all those, um, these defects of character and gossip. Has been with me for so so long, and today, you know, I have to work. It, I, it, you know, it just comes naturally to me, and now I have to work on and get the help and ask for help from other people to help me learn a better way. And it takes time. Recovery is a process. It's a journey, and it's a period of growth. And we grow, we grow slowly. And um, you know, nothing, no change will happen just overnight. And so, as a sponsor, it is my responsibility to remind the family that, yes, he, he, this, this man is sick, and he is in the process of getting better. He is sober today, and he, and allow him to work his program, and live, um, and, and practice the, the, these principles without any sight, without lashing out. Let him, let him slowly be reunited with his family. And you know, have I been successful in solving my own domestic problems? You know, thank God today for this program of recovery that has enabled me and taught me to ask for help. Asking for help is not a is not a, a defect, but it's a, it's it's a strength. It's not a weakness; it's a strength. That I asked for help, and in asking for help, I was able to my my marriage has been restored. Um... And it's much better than it was, but I just have to keep on remembering that you know things are gonna, things are gonna happen to tip it off, and I have to continue working these steps and practice all these principles as if my hair is on fire, so that, um, so that we could come, we could we could we could grow in um, in our relationship, and um, you know I just have to remember what we read much earlier in the big book. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you so much, Hoodie. So we are in the Big Book, page 100, on the second paragraph, when working with a man and his family, read through two paragraphs ending with worth any amount of criticism and were commenting on both those paragraphs. So one at a time, who would like to share? Julie R. This is Larry Julie. K. Larry. Julie Larry L. from Texas.
2: Margie, I got you, Julie. Margie. Anybody else want to share? This is your chance.
0: Everybody's jumping on each other. So Julie R., Larry K., Margie, I didn't get your last initial. You can give me that when it's your turn. Well, I guess we'll just start there. How's that? So, uh um, what was your name?
4: Karenza E.
0: Karenza? OK. So Barbara start. E. OK. We're going to stop here. So if everybody can please re-mute your phone with pressing star 1. My lineup is Julie R., Larry K., Margie, Karenza B., and Barbara E. So Miss Julie R., you're up first, followed by Larry K. Good morning, Julie. Thanks.
5: Good morning, this is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. You know, back in the day when AA was first starting and they were in the Oxford group, the wives would come. I mean, it was predominantly men. So they were all together, and these paragraphs really play such a vital... Oh, we're in OA, we're never going to talk to the family. But, you know, that's not true. I've been in OA since 81, and with my situation, my domestic problems, my insanity with the food, my unmanageability caused so much pain to my husband, to my children, to my it doesn't it just it's endless. And my husband called my sponsor when I was in relapse and um, wanted to get some direction on what to do. And you know, thank God, my sponsor sat and spent the time with my husband to let them know that I was a sick person and I was in the depths of this disease. And, you know, when um when I was in that last relapse and my husband and my boys had a family meeting, this was only four years ago, how to get me back to my structured and disciplined OA program, how to get me back into being that woman that was vital and happy and joyful and giving um, called my sponsor again. And um, I am so blessed because that, you know, we're here to help the still-suffering compulsive overeater and all those that are affected if they wish to do so. I myself have been called by the spouse of my sponsees because they're in pain, they're fearful, they don't know what to do. And all I have is my experience to talk about my domestic problems and how my husband and I were reunited and how doing this work and constantly being of service and creating um, an environment that is needed to stay in recovery, you know, and, and we're here to be helpful. We're not here to tell people what to do, but my experience, strength and hope could help the spouse of someone, and I'm very open to that, and I'm glad that I've been able to do that a few times. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for your share, Julie. Next up is Larry K, followed by Margie. Good morning, Larry.
6: Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. Thank you. The um, you know, I, I've I've had the opp- when I've had the opportunity to speak to to a family member. It's not been too often, but I have over the years, and I, I tell them about our illness. And I also tell them about the progression of change that's about to occur. It occurs over time. And I've told them that this phenomenon of change that I've experienced is an outgrowth of recovery. And that at least for me, that I no longer walk, you know, around in a cocoon of self absorption, you know, and maybe that's going to happen with their loved one, you know, over time. It didn't happen for me overnight. And it's where, you know, through this work that we're more likely to see connectivity to others and where my awareness has literally been broadened and I've become more emotionally resilient so I can be there for other people and connected to others and, and become a better version of myself and I can attend to others in positive ways, that, that ability becomes unlocked as a result of recovery. See, I, I need the words to be able to describe to others because they're going to need to be able to support if they so choose, they may or may not, but I need the words to be able to describe that,
7: and I tell them
6: that I'm more likely to see my own experiences as overlapping with that of others that I've become more inclusionary, less seclusionary, however you describe it, you know that I tell them that, that that the things that used to divide me from others they 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 slowly slipped out of my view as a result of this recovery and I began to revere things like love and tolerance and kindness, not perfectly, but in a manner, you know, in which embracing these things are no longer a struggle for me. Maybe that that would be the case for your loved one, you know, and even in the midst of calamity and hardship and and that a new lens has been given me where I can embrace love and tolerance. I can clear the decks of what love was not you know it, it it was no longer just sexual desire and it was no longer love was no longer even just being you know a special bond it was much more pervasive it was much more than that and um and I tell them about these things you know but I but again we can't give away something we don't have the words come if they're sincere because that's been our experience right that's been our experience see for me sponsoring isn't caretaking of the person or the family that's parenting it's merely caring sponsor is a succession of micro moments of caring that's all it is just holding up the lantern for the the person we're sponsoring or the family and i can't can't hold up a lantern on behalf of any individual for more than a succession of micro moments and with that i'll pass thanks
0: Thank you, Larry Kay. Next up is uh, Margie, followed by Carinza. Uh, Margie, what was your, is it Margie or Margie? Margie? Margie. Margie Mar- DL. D as in D-L. dog, L as okay, in lover. Great. <laughs> well, your turn, Margie. Thank you.
8: Good morning. This is Margie DL from Waco, Texas. This chapter, Working with Others, um, sometimes... Newcomers have some trouble with it, but I just want to um remind myself and others that I was a very sick person. There's something in my body that makes it uh, makes me want to eat more of my trigger foods once I eat them. I just want to eat more and more, and I can't stop that is the physical part of my disease of compulsive eating. I wasn't a bad person when I was eating like that. I wasn't immoral. There was something wrong with my body. And as long as I stay away from the trigger foods, then I don't have the craving. Now, I still have the mental obsession, which I need to work the steps so that it doesn't affect me, so I need to remember that I was a very sick person, my sponsees, very sick, and that I need to treat them accordingly. And then the the sentence about the defects of character, that they're not going to disappear overnight. Yes, I can see my defects of character. And I tried for decades to try to get God to take my defects of character away. It didn't happen until I put the food down. Until I became humble enough to know that not only was I powerless over food and some of my food behaviors, I was also powerless over my defects of character. And some defects of character God hasn't taken away. But for the most part, God has removed them. And so what has happened is that uh, my marriage, long-term marriage, uh, forty more than 46 years, it's been renewed. It's been re-fortified with love and kindness. Now, I didn't do this. I wanted it to happen. But... It was God. God, I ask every morning, how can I be kind? How can I how can I express myself honestly and lovingly with my husband? So I'm very grateful. I'm grateful for the steps. I'm grateful for step one in particular, because I I knew that I was powerless. i Time. powerless over food, and um, thank you for being there, and thank you for your service.
0: Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Margie D.L., appreciate your share. So next up is Carenza B., followed by Barbara E. Good morning, Carenza.
9: Hi there. Um, thank you for letting me share. This is Carenza B. from currently Asheville, North Carolina,
10: where I go to school.
9: And I'm a little nervous. This is the first time I've, I've shared on the line, and um, I just really needed to hear this paragraph this morning because I am currently working an eighth step and an eighth step, and um, and in the past few weeks I have noticed that my behaviors have just changed in such a miraculous way and. I have felt God working through me in a way I, I couldn't have imagined. And, and I'm able to hear other people and be of service to other people in a new way. And so when when little things come up and old behaviors come back, I, I feel frustrated. I thought, oh, I thought I was perfect now. And this is a humbling paragraph to read to know that um, that they don't get removed all overnight and that I'm not recovered fully, and even when I am, they'll still crop up, and I will never be God. I'll only be me. I'll only be human, and um, when they're meant to be removed, they will be, and that I'm, I'm trusting God has a plan. God knows that these defects of character will still be serving those around me in some way until he's ready for them to be gone, so... I'm grateful to have read this paragraph and thank you for letting me share with that.
0: I pass. Thank you so much, Corintha B., for sharing. And next up is Barbara E. Good morning, Barbara.
11: Good morning. Can I be heard?
12: Yes, you can. Oh, great.
11: Thank you so much. I, I'm going to take a totally different tack. I don't speak to the family or close friends about C about their progress or what the family might or might not be doing. For me, this is a sacred bond between me and my sponsee. I ask the person questions and I listen. Have they had any success in putting down their alcoholic foods and food behaviors? Are they committed to working all the steps to accept the possibility of a power greater than themselves? If they say yes, we move on. I tell them that life will not always be easy. People will get ill, they'll desert you, they'll die. There will be bumps, but the journey and the ultimate release of making their whole life without food is so worth it. And there are huge bonuses too. A new way of looking at life, seeing the beauty around us. Pain is a reality, of course, but the suffering and going to the food for the ease and comfort, that's op- optional. We don't have to do it. Excessive interest in food will vanish, will start to work with others. I would have violated, I would have felt violated if my sponsor had gone to my family or my family had gone to my sponsor to talk about me. Perhaps a, sp- a sponsee's family will notice a change in the person before they do a transformation. A person will have turned his binoculars around so he's focused on what he should be doing or saying, or perhaps not doing or saying, to be of service. Life is beautiful. It is filled with hope and promise. And when a sponsee is truly awakened, they realize that something has kept them away from that first compulsive bite. It keeps them humble, and it keeps me humble, and I express that in prayer every single day. Cooperation with a power greater than myself has pulled me out of the swamp, and I want to be able to reach out that slender reed to pull someone else out too. It keeps us spiritually active and in tune with God but we learn that we only have a daily reprieve. We must never think we can rest on our laurels. We never graduate. Reaching out to others, giving service, that will be the miracle in
2: our lives
11: that saves us. Thank you so much. I pass.
0: Thank you so much, Barbara E. Okay, so in case you're just joining us or forgot where we're at, which is usually my case, we are on page 100 in the big book, second paragraph, um, where it says, when working with a man and his family, and we read through two paragraphs, ending with, worth any amount of criticism, commenting on both, who would like to share?
13: Harlan
12: S.
0: Abby A. Harlan. Abby Okay, Vasa, o. Vasa O, Vasa O, Vasa O, Richard B, Richard B. I heard somebody with an S last initial. Andrea, And Andrea S. Okay, but I've heard, here's who I've heard: Harlan G, Abby A, Vasa O, Richard B, Andrea S. Did I miss somebody? Leia okay. A.
2: Shand- Leia, Leia M. Sandy
0: S. Sandy S. <clears throat> okay. Well, let's stop there. If everybody can please um, press star one to remute your phone, so we can have a nice, quiet meeting, and we will start with Harlan G. Followed by Abby A. Good morning, Harlan.
14: Good morning, Kelly. And thank you for your service. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Steamboat, Scottsdale, Arizona. The easiest place to work this program is in the rooms. I love you, you love me, kumbaya, buy the world of coke, and everything's groovy. A harder place to work the program is in the workplace, because there's money involved, there's politics involved, there's whatever is involved. The absolute hardest of the places to work the program is in the home familiarity breeds content. Intimacy, into me I see. And we bump up against the people that are closest to us and they know things about us and have experienced things with us that the people in the rooms and in the workplace just don't know. And so it becomes the most challenging in the home. And so what we have is this challenge brings up emotion. And emotions trigger the mental twist. The mental twist drives us into the food. We eat the food in search of relief from the untenable pain of not eating. We trigger the allergy and we pass through the well-known stages of a spree. Emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to do that again. And here we are in a familial situation and we are looking to maintain our abstinence. And so this is where it becomes most difficult. And where the rubber meets the road can be the greatest of all gains, can be the greatest of all things. Vulnerability is a double-edged sword. We are vulnerable and in bridge terms, which I don't play, but this is explained to me, there's a definition of vulnerability. We stand to make great losses. We stand to make great gains. And the family and that environment of intimacy is where things can really happen to the good. I don't want to focus on the bad. And as our defects of character are not going to disappear overnight, when we can make progress and earn credibility with those closest to us, by remaining sober, by remaining abstinent, by showing them that we have a new way of life, this is where we can get their attention to the good and progress can be made. Preach the gospel. And if you must, use words. We show our loved ones rather than tell our loved ones about our new way of life, and everything about the family starts to elevate. And with that, I will pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you so much, Harlan G. Next up, we have Abby A. Followed by Vasa O. Good morning, Abby.
13: <laughs> Hello, good morning. Um, My higher power is looking out for me. Obviously, God's watching out for me because of what was just shared, what was exactly just shared. And that's, it was almost awesome when I was listening to it because. I don't. I have to word this gently. I don't know. My daughter passed away a, a year ago. And my family that knows too much about me is blaming me um, right and left and squashing me by this person. I feel like I'm being run over by a car, kind of. They're blaming me. And it really hurts and stuff. So um, her husband, my daughter's husband, and I don't get along. I can't stand him. He said all kinds of vile things to me since she's been gone. I'm being barred from a relationship with my grandson because of that. My sister, which is hiding, and stuck up in Santa Barbara. I'm in Santa Barbara County, I'm, but I'm in a poor section outside of there. I'm poor and she's rich. And, yeah, the gospel. What it says in the gospel about rich people trying to snare and catch the poor and they wait They wait in the dens like lions and stuff. That's kind of how it is <clears throat> with my sisters. I have one there and one in Florida. And I'm the oldest and they don't show me much respect. And my heart's pounding on my chest talking about this because it's so awful. It's horrible. So I throw myself in the, a church down the street. I'm taking a grief class with a book that when it talks about the feelings of grief, you know, see Galatians 10:15 or whatever. Because I don't know what else to do. I'm so hurt that I feel like I'm in Bob Cotton, Bob Wire, and I'm 300. I've gone from 353, but I'm crippled up, so it's taken me like a couple of years just to lose 50 pounds where it used to take a couple months. And it's really, really, really hard. And you think in this crippled condition now that I'm in right now. My knees and my legs are giving out. That my family, would, oh no, 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 Mm-mm. no, they're not going to poo-poo me and they're not going to take care of me and they're not going to, you know, they say stuff like, oh, that's your fault, you did that to yourself. Or I've seen other people get out of that, or just really sarcastic stuff. And I'm sick. <laughs> and you think too with the daughter and stuff that they back off, but they don't. It's really, really toxic. It's horrifying. So I went to Eleanor the other night and um. It's, uh, it it was very really dynamic and, excuse me, it was about resentment. But yeah, the, the last guy was right. I won't say names, but I thought, okay, but I just wanted to say I found myself kind of going off with the food the past 48 hours a little, and I have a month and a half, but I'm not going to let this thing get me because it could kill me. It's going to kill me if I let it get me. So I really appreciate what was just shared. It took me a long time to find this meeting on the phone. And I thank you very much for having me. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Abby A. Next up is Vasa O. Followed by Richard B.
15: Thank you, Kelly. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for your service, Kelly. And Vasa, grateful, grateful. We've covered Compulsive Radio. media calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And uh, it is a killer disease. I had no clue what was wrong with me. I didn't know I had a disease. I didn't know I had the allergy. I didn't know anything about that. I just did not know anything about this stuff until I came to Overeaters Anonymous. And this is where I learned. And it is a progressive disease. If I did not stop, it was going to kill me because I'm, a lot of my family members that, uh, suffer from disease, my, from this disease, and um, and they're gone. By the grace of God, I'm still here, and my youngest brother is still here. Five of my members are gone, and, and my brother is struggling. And I, he's got all kinds of physical problems. I've been in this program for 33 years. And he knows. He knows what I'm doing. I did bring him to the program. I did bring my other bro- pro- brother program, too. And it wasn't for them. I'm just so grateful it's for me. I just came from vacationing with a, my friend from my childhood. <clears throat> and her husband is suffering from this disease. And she's afraid, you know. she's She's got all kinds of physical problems. And the only thing I could do, I mean, I've been sharing myself with her over the years since I came to Overeaters Anonymous and what I do, but somehow she thinks he should have the the willpower to stop. And I told her, listen, I used all the willpower that I had. I could not do it by myself. I needed my 12 steps. I needed a power greater than myself. This was the only way it worked for me. And I again, it's a deadly disease. It is easier. One of the hardest things is to help people outside from the program, because people come in the program, they drop, they come back, they know where to go. But outside in the world, it's really hard. It it just aches my heart, you know. When I see people, I just want to go to them and tell them. And sometimes I can, when the time is appropriate, if they share what they're struggling with. Excuse me. And other times it's just I have to keep my mouth shut and I just pray. I say, please, God, reach them, reach their heart like you did with me. One of the hardest things I had ever experienced in my whole life was putting the food down. And, you know, I know it's only step one, but I struggled with step one. Well, I didn't even know, you know, that was step one 25 years. I did everything in my power to put the food. I couldn't. I didn't know the allergy. I didn't know the mental obsession. I didn't know anything about spirituality. I learned it all here. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass.
0: Thank you so much, Rasa O. Next up is Richard B. followed by Andrea S. Good morning, Richard.
7: Good morning. Good morning, everybody. This is Richard B. in Ireland. I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Um, this second paragraph, is it the second or the first? Oh, I can't remember. Uh talks about um, our character defects. Um, and I'm grateful... Last week, one of my character defects um, didn't crop up um, at a point where it really could, and that could lead to working possibly with a new member. Um, What happened uh, was I was around at a friend's house, and she's definitely one of us, but she knows nothing of recovery, or knew nothing of recovery back then. And I was surrounded by trigger foods. Now, I don't have a whole heap of experience with working with others, um, not through sponsoring anyway, um, and very little um, other work with others. I I tend to do service, my Step 12 via service. Um, Anyway, yeah, I was surrounded by trigger foods at her house, and the smell was driving me mad. And that little character defect in me that wants to say, screw it, let's just have a little. That's part character defect, part disease. Um, was, was niggling away and talking. It was like sat on my shoulder like Jiminy Cricket. And um, I didn't pick up. And I got out the door afterwards, and I was so grateful I didn't pick up. Well, last night my wife was talking with this lady, and um, she realizes now that she has a food addiction, and my wife was saying, if you don't have the confidence to walk into a meeting for the first time, or even with somebody with you, because I would offer to go with her, um, then... There are other methods. There are these meetings on the telephone, which are wonderful. And I turned around and said, and I'm only able to say this because I didn't pick up the other night. And I turned around and said that if she likes, aside from meetings or before we even think about meetings or she even thinks about them, then I am willing to share my story with her. And that's all it is. And the rest is up to God and um, I'm grateful to be there um, should she want that, and um, I'm grateful that carotid defect didn't come up, and this opportunity could be there for working with another compulsive overeater. Uh, so I'm really grateful for that this morning. So with that, I will pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Richard B. Next up, Andrea S., followed by Leia M. Good morning, Andrea.
12: Good morning, uh, Thank you to the vision community for being here this morning and every day. Uh, this, is, this group has really given me recovery. Uh, I want to bring you all into my apartment. I shared my apartment with my husband. And uh, my husband was going through a tough time a few months ago. Uh, and there were our dishes. And there were our dirty floors. And there was all the laundry to do. And there was uh, the the bathrooms that needed cleaning, and and he was trying to remain busy while he wasn't feeling good. And there I was resenting it all. You know, not really acknowledging that I had the luxury of resenting it because he used to it before then. He was very handy and helpful around the apartment, but he was going through something, and. I caught because of this the the gracefulness of this program. God showed me that um, you're being resentful, and so I caught myself being resentful. Thankfully, and because of program, I I knew intellectually what to do with the resentment. I was to bring it to God, and then then bringing it to God, I said, <laughs> I said. Okay, well, when I was very sick for months and months and months, because I had a chronic condition, um, he was the one who was doing everything around the house, so I could I at least owe him this. And uh, something about that didn't feel right—that it was a transaction, that uh, given that I received, then I should give. No, the word service came to my mind. So in my household, with my marriage, my program was able to help me see. That it was just about service. There was no transaction. I didn't have to justify my being of service. And I held our apartment together for those months that he needed some support. And I did so quietly without saying to him, I did this and that around the house today. And these are just, you know, minor things, but they're the kind of things that I would allow get into the middle
5: of our marriage.
12: And so for my. My family situation here, it's really been saved because of program and my letting God in and showing me the way to serve, be of service, to this man who I love. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you so much, Andrea S. Next up, Leia M, followed by Sandy S. Good morning, Leia.
4: Good morning. Thanks for your service, Kelly. If you have been successful in solving your own domestic problems, tell the newcomer's family how that was accomplished. Tell. How? Um, You know, the big book says that our dark past is our greatest asset, Um, and certainly the text also states that we have recovered and been given the power to help others. And certainly, you know, we are able to do this, you know, carry a message of hope and possibility, share our experience, strength, and hope, speak with humility um, that we have been restored to sanity, that we have a renewed life. Um, I've had the opportunity to do this um, on many occasions over the course of three decades to work not only with many, many, many sponsees, but also family members Yes, sometimes I do receive calls from spouses um, because I do offer myself in that capacity if spouses have questions, um, but more, more so I've had a lot of interaction um, with mothers because I tend to work with um, a lot of youth, particularly those with bulimic and anorexic backgrounds in addition to compulsive overeaters, And oftentimes, uh, you know, they're very young, as I was, (laughs) as I was, um, came into Overeaters Anonymous at age 19, began a real, true recovery process through the guidance of someone in whom the problem had been solved when I was 23. Um, So, you know, I do have an experience to share that recovery is not an overnight sensation. It's not an overnight matter. However, however, however. We are living proof. Those in whom the problem has been solved, those who are recovered, are living proof that some power greater than ourselves has restored us to sanity. And that's a message of hope, not only to those who suffer from this illness, but from the family members who love them so. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful. One of the greatest, greatest blessings and strengths of an open meeting with recovered voices is the fact that family members, in addition to physicians, in addition to psychiatrists and psychologists, family members can come and see a show-and-tell operation. What is possible as the result of the 12-step recovery process? Are lives transformed? You bet. (laughs) You bet. Now, in the beginning of the process, you know, sponsors and support system is vital, because the early uh, period of recovery, especially with the youth, is accurate information, strong support, guidance from those who have been there, um, because it is a delicate uh, period, you know, used for stabilization and withdrawal of behaviors and substances. And so, you know, I just uh, i am grateful that I've had the opportunity to work with sponsees and to work with their families as well. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks so
0: much, Leia M. Next up is Sandy S. Good morning, Sandy.
16: Yeah, hi. This is Sandy, recovered compulsive overeater from Asheville, North Carolina. You should point out that his defects of character are not going to disappear overnight. Show them that he has entered upon a period of growth. Ask them to remember when they are impatient the blessed fact of his sobriety. I really felt compelled to share today. I am experiencing something I've never experienced in my entire life. I really am experiencing being transformed. And it's especially with the family. And it happened last night. And I had, we were 10 people over my house. And we took a picture and everyone in the picture looked so happy and so connected. And my husband said to me, you know, thank you so much for making this evening happen. And it was, it was really beyond my wildest dreams. And what was my behind my wildest dreams was that in creating this happening, this family connection, this, this time we will all remember because we have a cousin from Israel that was visiting with his two kids and, you know, my husband really wanted this to happen. It was like the whole way I did it. I just said to him, honey, my intention is to enjoy the process of preparing for this dinner, of having these people over and of then of getting back to our normal life and everything is back in place, and this is better than the food, honestly. This is why I'm abstinent, this, to have these moments, this time of service to my family. And when I did a ninth step with my stepdaughter, she said to me, Sandy, everyone sees that you've changed. Just do me one favor. Don't go back to the way you used to be. I said, don't worry. It's never going to happen. One day at a time, I am more motivated by happiness, by connection, by feeling incredibly well than I will ever be by pain. This is just me. I could just keep going down deeper into the pain when I was into the disease and behind the disease for me always, my primary addiction was to fear and to thinking I I wasn't enough, I don't have enough, and I'm... I'm just not doing enough. And today, that is almost gone. I know it'll come back, you know, but it is gone. All of that is gone. I am enjoying my life in a way I've never done before. And I feel I have more to offer than I've ever done before. And that's what I wanted to share today. Because I have been in the pits, I have lost everything. And yet, that's my greatest gift. And my greatest gift today. Is my time. desire, bar none, to be open to a higher power in my life. And with that, I pass.
2: Thank you so much, Sandy S. We have time for one more share. Who wants to share?
14: Hi,
4: this is Matt. Can I be heard? Who is this? Mary.
0: Mary? Yeah, Mary, what's your last initial of your name? Q. Mary Q. All right. My You're up, Mary.
6: Is,
10: my heart is racing. A fellow on this line shared some incredible experience, strength, and hope with me last week, and I will be forever grateful. After dialing into this meeting for, I don't know, just a little over a year, I just found a new meeting that talks about open Oa, I never heard of Open OA before, and it's another phone meeting. It talks about relationships, and it's it's just the most incredible gift, this pearl, this treasure that I was just referred to just in the past five days, and it has changed my life and given me a sense of freedom and renewed hope, and I don't know how to tell people other than there's a lot of voices on this meeting that I hear on that meeting. So I don't know where that information is posted, but a question for the second hour would be, where does that information get posted with that I pass? Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much, Mary Q. Um, Well, this is Kelly S. Recovered in Oklahoma, and we have one minute. So I'm just going to share real quick. Um, I've been around for 30-something years, I know you guys know that, and I was in such denial about how this disease affected my family, and it took me a long time because I was constitutionally incapable of being honest to myself about the severity of this, so I figured it didn't really affect them, and when we would read these paragraphs, I'm like, well, that's not me, that's not my family, well, guess what, you guys, you have no idea, I did not know what this was doing to my family, and, you know, as I got... um, into recovery and made amends and i got to hear the pain that i was causing people but i will tell you as my disease progressed i did start to see it and my spouse even said at one point you act like you don't like me it broke my heart but i kept on eating because i didn't work this program so we do affect those around us you know, I always just thought well just a weight issue it's just an eating issue no i have a living issue i have a relationship issue and i did not know how to do life and i was a whirlwind around those people that that loved me so Anyway, um, I just wanted to share that for any newcomers because it took me a long time to see that I was really impacting those around me. And grateful today I'm learning to do life different. So with that, we will wrap up. And thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Um, The share ID for today, sorry, a little behind here, is... 11831 11831 So, we will um now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164 followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Barbara E, please read a vision for you.
2: Good morning again, everyone. Our book is meant to be suggestive
11: only. We realize we know only a little.